Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. If you're new to us this year, man, uh, this week, welcome. We're so honored to have you. Um, there's seven areas that we feel that God has challenged us and spoken to our hearts to grow, to advance, to take back some of the ground that was lost since 2020. And those seven areas are, number one, supernatural lifestyle, that we as Uncommon Church would learn to operate in uh, signs and wonders and miracles and prophecy and faith and healing, um, that we would learn to operate in the supernatural lifestyle. Number two, that we would do a better job in our evangelism, that we would reach out, that we would be a light in the darkness, that, that we would share our faith, not just expect Brad and Josie and Jeff and Josh and like the, the leaders of the church, but that we would all be leaders of the church and share the gospel wherever we go. Uh, number three would be in discipleship. And this is a, a two-sided coin. Number one, how can we personally, each one of us as in this church, grow in our discipleship? How, how can we grow stronger in faith? How, how can we grow in our discipleship? And then number two, Look behind you. Are you discipling anybody else? Because there's people that need to know God. There's new believers that get born again every week. And children need a, a teacher. You know, um, athletes need a coach. Uh, dancers need, you know, someone to show them that the steps. So um, we need more people to disciple other people. And that is all of our job. That's, we all have to be responsible to be better disciples and to disciple other people. The fourth area we want to do a better job and advance is in the next generation on our toddlers and our, 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 our children and our, our teenagers, man. I, I want to see a move of God in our young people. And, um, and we need to, we seem to do better in reaching out and loving on our kids. The fifth area would be that we would advance in our finances, that we would go from being um, orphans to sons and daughters of the Most High God. We would go from a poverty mentality to one of prosperity that we can be a blessing to other people. The sixth area is in world missions. We talked about that two weeks ago and God is really using our church in world missions right now and it's just exciting because for two years we hadn't done anything around the world, just giving a little money to some missionaries. So man, now it's really exciting to not only give but to get to go and see all that God's doing around the world. And then finally, it's number seven is in influence and we mean influence in our city that we as a church family would do a better job of, 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 of loving our city and, you know, Euless, Hearst, Bedford, uh, North Richardson Hills, Irving, you know, this whole area here in the mid-cities. And um, there is a, if you haven't already, there is a... Um, work day, the two days, the CPR with six stones coming up the weekend of April 24th. So that's just in three weeks. So if you haven't signed up, please go to the six stones website, sign up. And uh, there's a house that we're going to help to rehab. We've already paid for it, but now we need to put some, some muscle where our money is and, and help to do the work. So we're really excited about serving our community well. Today's message is going to be targeting supernatural lifestyle. It's going to be tar targeting discipleship. It's going to be targeting, um, um, it's going to hit all of them, all seven of them. It's going to be so good. I'm just telling you it's going to be good. So just raise your expectation. That's how good it's going to be. Um, a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, when I was talking about world missions, I read to you Jesus's final instructions for all of us that are Jesus followers before he returned to heaven. And we call it the Great Commission. I'll just reread it quickly, but we're not going to camp out here, but I just want to start with where I left off two weeks ago. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus said, Uncommon church, y'all go and make disciples of a few nations. Oh, snap. Make disciples of all nations. There's a lot I could say about that but I won't because my message is not about this. 
God doesn't have a poverty mentality because he called us to disciple nations. You can't do that when you're broke. You also can't disciple nations if you don't have a passport. You also can't disciple nations if you don't care about other people. So there's so many things in that one sentence that Jesus said of us as Jesus followers, go, Uncommon Church, and disciple nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, teaching those to observe all that the Lord Jesus commanded. Behold, Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I'll never leave you. So the command from Jesus is to go. Take the gospel message around the world. And we say that that is the final instructions, but there's actually one more. I read that to you from Matthew, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are what they call the synoptic gospels. All four gospels tell the story of Jesus's ministry on the earth. So imagine um, we're at the end of Matthew's gospel. Imagine if Mark, uh, Luke, and John were not there, and we were able to flip right to Acts chapter 1. It would literally be the next page, and this is Jesus's actual, literal, final instructions before he ascended into heaven. He told the disciples that were there with him in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, while he was with the team, he said, no, he ordered them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise that the Father said he would send and then you heard me say, John baptized with water, and today Laura was an example of that. John baptized with water because of the repentance of sin, but soon you will be baptized. Now, I remind you from our Growth Track class, by the way, if you're new to our church, welcome. Growth Track 1 is today. So if you're thinking about joining our church, I want you to stay for one hour after this service with Josie and I, and we're going to teach Growth Track 1 and get you plugged into our church family, and we're going to talk about this verse right here. The word baptize in Greek is the word immerse. It means to put them under till they bubble. So what Jesus is saying is John immersed in water because you've repented of your sin, but in a few days you will be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Now skip down to verse eight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In your digital Bible and in your mind, circle that word upon you. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, where is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth? That's H-E-B, Texas, the United States, and around the world. That's your equivalent to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and around the world. So in Matthew chapter 28, the disciples already had their marching orders in the Great Commission. Go and take the gospel of the whole nation. But then if you turn the page, he further commanded them, wait, 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 don't go until you receive the baptism, the immersion in the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God to share the gospel. The gospel of God and the power of God cannot be separated. I'm going to say it again because some of you are starting to tune out already and I'm preaching better than you're amening. The, the gospel of God and the power of God cannot be separated. What if I told you, hey, you're in Eulis for church today, but do not leave Eulis until you're baptized, until you're immersed in the power of God because you're going to need it to effectively share the gospel in wherever city you live in in wherever your school is, in wherever you go to work. To effectively share the gospel, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. This week, Josie and I were talking with Sherry Miller about an evangelism project that she's involved with, she's been doing for a while. And Sherry just like 
casually threw this in here. Well, when we're out there and we're ministering to these people, I'll often get prophetic words and I'll just speak those prophetic words over people to encourage them. And then like Sherry went on with the story and I'm like, can we put the brakes on and go back to the part where you were not only ministering the gospel, but you were ministering it in the power of God. Why? Because I've recently heard it said that you can't separate the gospel of God from the power of God. Ben's finally were like, wait, this is a good message. <laughs> now, let me clarify. If you're new to this Jesus stuff, and this is like the in baptism, immersion in, in what? When you repent of your sin, when you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. That's what we talk about being born again. And there's other scriptures to, to, to back that up. I don't have time to get into that. But when you get right with God, the Holy Spirit will come and live in your heart. But when you are baptized, when you are immersed in the Holy Spirit, the power of God comes upon you. And we're gonna talk about that more in a minute. Therefore, the Holy Spirit in me is for my benefit. But the Holy Spirit on me is for your benefit. Isaiah 61 put it this way. Isaiah said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because the Lord has appointed me and anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. Good news means gospel. So, the Holy Spirit is in you for your benefit, but the Holy Spirit is on you for our benefit and the benefit of the people that you minister the gospel to. So it's important that we realize how we desperately need the power of God on us, in us, around us. It's kind of like you're Peter Parker. You're just a regular high school student in New York with no New York accent. Does anybody else think that's weird? that the guy from London learned to speak with an American accent, but he couldn't add a little New York to it? And none of his friends speak with a New York accent? You're Peter Parker. Some of you have no idea the reference, and I'm not gonna slow down for you. Watch more movies. And while you're visiting the museum or the scientific lab, depending on who your Spider-Man is, you get bit. And when you get bit, you suddenly are endued with superpower. Your life is never the same. That's what it's like to be a spirit-filled believer. You're a regular person that got bit by the Holy Ghost and you now have a superpower and your life will never be the same. You should operate all day, every day with God's supernatural power because you're not of this world. So often we, get, we go to church and we pray a prayer and we still act like worldly people. We think like worldly people. Our minds are not renewed by the washing of the word of God from Romans 12, 2. We, 2, 12, 12, 2. <laughs> Romans 2, 12. Don't look it up. We have to remind ourselves that when we are born again, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit upon us, we're not of this world anymore. We're a whole new creation that never existed before. The old man is dead. You're alive to Christ. Yes, let me put it this way. You will never taste death. Your body, this bag of meat and bones that you walk around in for 100 years, will die. But who you are will never experience death because of the eternal life, that power, that, that, that arc reactor that's burning on the inside of you to cross-reference. Come on, somebody. 
You have a supernatural power burning on the inside of you. And I've heard it said that with great power comes great responsibility. Why do you clap more for that? The Apostle Paul said it. You're like, oh, okay. Stan Lee says it. You're like, yeah! We need new heroes. <laughs> so what is our responsibility? To preach the gospel and use the full power of God when you do. We have a saying that we'll teach you at Uncommon Church, that at Uncommon, every member of our church is a minister of the gospel. Somebody was just, yesterday we were all working and cleaning up, and uh, Russ, who's heading up the project, he said, hey, the food's here, you wanna pray? I'm like, Russ, you are equally as qualified to pray over the food as I am. But he's like, it's Taco Bell, we need like the most faith-filled Holy Ghost person. <laughs> At Uncommon Church, every member is a minister of the gospel. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, so I, I read to you the last page of Jesus' ministry. Let's, let's back it up. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, I am estimating this is only about one year into Jesus' ministry. So Jesus is about to send out the disciples on like a little mission trip. And he sent them out two by two. And he said this, Matthew chapter 10. Hey, y'all, go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come here, now, right up in your business. The kingdom of heaven is not far, it's not distant, it's not religious, it is right here in your world. Verse eight, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received it, so freely give it away. Notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm going to send you out on a little mission trip. And when you get out there, I want you to pray to raise the dead. I want you to pray to heal leprosy. No, he simply said, do it. Why? Because they had a superpower burning with on the inside of them. When go to Dallas, Irving, Fort Worth, Keller, Colleyville. And when you go, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, because you have had a power put on the inside of you. It was given to you for free, so you might as well share it. Now, this is where some people would be like, dude, I just got here. I am a first-time visitor. Slow your roll. I got high last night. Like, I don't know that I'm a super Jesus guy yet. <laughs> you will be in about 26 minutes. May I remind you that half of Jesus' disciples were fishermen? Not highly trained theologians, not rabbis. Matthew was a tax collector, which in those days was like the worst of all sinners because most of them were thieves. These were not well-trained guys. These were blue-collar guys, regular people. And after maybe a year with Jesus, He's like, yeah, it's time for y'all to go out, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. They were sent out to do miracles in Jesus' name even though they weren't ready for it yet, even though they weren't seasoned veterans yet. So think about how many months you've been a Christian. And for some of you, that's get, that number's getting pretty big because you're trying to carry the zero and the one and, hey Siri, what's 26 times 12? 
How many months have you been a Christian? Whatever that number is, you're ready to go. Preach, heal, and deliver. It's time. It's absolutely time. The only person that would want you to not do that is the devil. So it's time for us as a church to stop partnering with the devil and instead partner with God to release the kingdom of God on the earth wherever we go. Let me deal with an issue. People will often push back and go, whoa, hold on, preacher. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I got to study the Bible more. Listen, I don't, I don't know every scripture. I haven't memorized everything yet. I'm not knowledgeable in the miracles. Neither were the disciples because the gospel hadn't been written yet. They were still living it out. And the apostle Paul was a pretty knowledgeable guy, wouldn't you say? The apostle Paul, if you don't know who that is, he wrote two-thirds of your New Testament. Pretty sharp fella. The apostle Paul was an expert in theology because he was literally writing it. And he was taking this gospel message about a Jewish Messiah, but he wasn't doing it in Israel. He was doing it in the Roman world, which was steeped in Greek culture. And in Greek culture, they loved to debate philosophy. They loved to study and read and ask questions. I don't know how people paid their rent, but they would sit around for hours and just debate and discuss things about life and philosophizing everything. And Paul is recorded as several times debating people about the Lord Jesus because of his wisdom and his intellect. This is a smart guy who understood the Bible because he was, you know, writing it. And so people would be like, listen, I need to be a better disciple. I need to spend more time studying the word of God. No, not necessarily. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul wrote to a Gentile church, and so it was with me also, uncommon church, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Instead, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Not only that, I came to you in my weakness and my fear and my trembling and my message to you, my preaching, it wasn't wise. It wasn't with persuasive words. It wasn't with a bunch of Instagram followers. Instead, it was along with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Let me read that verse to you one more time. Verse four, my message and my preaching were not wise and with persuasive words, I came to you with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom. Instead, that your faith would rest on God's power. I've heard it said recently that the gospel of God and the power of God cannot be separated. Why is Paul making this point? Because people in the ancient Roman world, they like to debate. They like to be smarter than the next guy. But Paul said, I'm not coming to you with my smarts. I'm not coming to you with human wisdom. I'm coming to you because I believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm not famous. I don't speak well. I don't have great illustrations. I don't have a lot of Instagram following. But instead, I have a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So back then, and also in our day, we tend to equate discipleship was just reading your Bible and praying every day and trying not to sin as much. Discipleship isn't character. Discipleship isn't character. Well, let me see. It isn't only character. Character is important. I don't care if you have unbelievable signs and wonders and miracles, but terrible character. I also don't care if you have unbelievable character, but no signs and wonders and miracles. There's more to life 
than just struggling with sin all the time and feeling guilty if you didn't read your Bible for five minutes. There's more to discipleship than just character. There's a concept in the New Testament that we read from Matthew to Revelation that when you put your faith in Jesus, you are born again. Not literally born through your mother naturally. You are born again spiritually. You are a new creation. The old version of you is dead and you are alive to Christ. Therefore, you take on the nature of Christ. You're not just the old version of you that goes to church. You are a completely new person that has the nature of Christ. The disciples were not trying to be good Christians. That wasn't discipleship to them. The discipleship for the disciples was learning how to go, preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, and drive out demons. So let me just say, to be wildly clear before you send me more nasty emails, Character is really, really important. Reading and studying your Bible is really, really important. Most Christians are apathetic and starving and atrophied because they're not getting their daily bread. Learning how to pray and have an intimate and powerful and personal prayer life is important. The Apostle Paul literally also teaches pray without ceasing. But we have elevated discipleship as to how many Bible verses we've memorized and if we pray for our food at a restaurant or not. We're so impressed with people's character, we should be more impressed with a brand new baby Christian that still cusses a little, but they love Jesus, but they've also learned how to heal the sick, raise the dead, and cast out devils. Because that's what the gospel is. I'm not de-emphasizing character. Discipleship. Those things are the bedrock of what we stand on. But I think God wants to emphasize a church that operates in supernatural power. A family that operates in supernatural power. Single people that operate by, by giving prophetic words when they're on evangelism. Children that are taught not only to read their Bible and pray, but they're also taught how to prophesy and heal the sick and drive out demons. It's not one or the other, it's both. So I talk about earlier today, literally in my, my prayer, that we need accountability so that we don't get high, so that we don't get drunk, so that we don't get angry, so that we don't look at porn, so that we, 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 we need accountability because with accountability, without accountability, there's no motivation for change. But accountability in the New Testament looks different than accountability today. Accountability, look at this example with the Apostle Paul and his student, his spiritual son, Timothy. Paul sent Timothy out as a young man to go pastor a big church, but he would also write him letters to keep him accountable. First Timothy chapter four. Hey, Tim, don't neglect the spiritual gift that you received through the prophecy that was spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Paul didn't write him a letter like, hey, Tim, I really hope you're not looking at porn. God, hey, Tim, I, I really hope you're not getting high. Instead, his accountability was, hey, Tim, I really hope you remember that you should operate in the Holy Ghost power of God that you received when we laid our hands on you. Because this superpower, it can be airdropped. The superpower can be airdropped from one person to the next. Freely we receive it, so freely give. My question is, is your airdrop even turned on to receive from the Lord? And if you have an Android, I guess you just don't get to get it. I'm sorry. 
I, I don't know how you airdrop to an Android. This message is going to turn green. And then it's probably going to come back undeliverable. Real struggle in life. Have, have you received your superpower? Are you using your superpowers? How do you receive your superpowers? All right, if you're, if you're like, I, I don't know that I understand the analogy. Is the superpower getting immersed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit and power? Yes. And it all starts with getting right with God. It all starts with you recognizing that we desperately need Jesus, that he loves us and he's not mad at us, that we would go on this journey from becoming orphan to child, that we go from being a servant and a slave of God, which is how a lot of people treat God, even when they serve in the church. Don't, we want you to join a dream team. We want you to serve, but we don't want you to consider yourself a slave or a servant to God. You're just a child doing chores in the house of God, but you always have access to the Father's lap when you need it. But that we go from this journey, and then the, to take the analogy further, that we would become a bride that is waiting on the bridegroom. Fellas, I know that's tough, but we ask women sometimes to be sons of God so we can be the bride of Christ from time to time. We go on this journey, but it all starts with repentance. That we surrender our lives to Jesus. We ask him to forgive us. Jesus adopts us into his family. The next step after that is to be baptized in water. If you've never been baptized in water, I, I don't know how Laura, after 10 minutes of being a Jesus follower, knows more than you do. Baptism in water is your next step. And some people would be like, oh, I was, I was baptized as a kid. How well do you remember that baptism and how much sinning did you actually do in college? Let's put all of who you used to be in that water of baptism. And if you want to be baptized today, just tell any one of the ushers. We've got shorts and t-shirts you can change into and get baptized during this service right here, right now. Why is baptism so important? Ask Jesus, Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Are you saying if I'm not baptized, I'm not saved? I don't want to risk it. <laughs> Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. It is my opinion based on the full knowledge of scripture that you do not need to be baptized in water to be saved, but I know that it is extremely important to the Lord Jesus to make a public declaration of your faith. Yeah. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Everybody likes to picture Jesus as cupcakes and rainbows and happy Jesus. But at some point, there is a day of reckoning where we are judged if we surrendered our lives to the Lord Jesus and asked him to remove our sins or not. Keep reading, verse 17, please. These signs will accompany those that believe. Circle will accompany in your digital imaginary Bible in your head. In the name of Jesus, you will drive out demons and speak in new tongues. I don't do verse 18, but if I ever needed to, Josie could pick up a snake with her hands. <laughs> I have traveled to Haiti and India and all parts of Africa. Some of the food and stuff we had to drink felt like deadly poison, but it did not hurt me at all. 
One time it did hurt Josie pretty bad, though. I was sad. I guess she didn't pray enough. <laughs> you know next time I travel, I'm going to pray. Um, they'll place their hands on sick people, and they might get better. Oh, it says will? Well, I guess y'all don't know if it does or not, because they don't have it. Will get better. So the, the progression is believe, be baptized, and you're saved. And the third step is go use your superpower. As you go, preach the gospel to all creation. Miracles and signs and wonders, they will follow you. You'll, in the name of Jesus, you'll drive out demons, you'll speak in new tongues, you handle snakes if you have to. The apostle Paul had to. You guys know that story in the book of Acts, right? If you don't, then your homework is to start the book of Acts this week. Start today. If I just said that to you about the Apostle Paul picking up a snake and you had no idea what reference I was talking about, this afternoon I want you to pick up your Bible and read Acts chapter 1 and don't stop till you get to the story about the snakes. And it will not hurt them. You will place your hands on sick people and they will get well. Your next step is to receive God's superpower. Hop up on your feet. Remember, I've heard it said before, the Holy Spirit lives in you for your benefit, but he's on you for the benefit of those around you and those that you're sharing the gospel with. You'll be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. How does it come? Through the laying on of hands. Today, in a few moments, we're gonna invite the prayer team down to the front, the pastors will be down at the front, and if you want to receive your superpower, we're gonna lay our hands on your shoulder and pray, and we're gonna airdrop this superpower to you. If you've never read Acts chapter 19, well, if you didn't get to the snake story, then you don't know about Acts chapter 19 yet. One time, Apollos was in Corinth, and Paul traveled to the interior region, and he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. So Paul is talking to believers in Jesus, verse 2. Or not. He said, hey, believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we hadn't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. So Paul says, well, wait, what, what baptism did you get? They said, we were baptized, the baptism of John. The baptism of John is in water. Paul said, John's baptism called for the repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one coming later, meaning Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized again into the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit was airdropped on them and they spoke in other tongues. And then here's the power, they prophesied. Shame you guys don't have those verses. You should look that up later. Acts chapter 19, it's in your Bible. The Holy Spirit will come on us to do what? Empower us to do what? Share the gospel wherever we go. All around the world, but also right here at home. So the, the first thing that these new believers began to do was speak in other tongues and prophesy. The prophetic word is a testimony of the Lord Jesus. So I want you to pray for that impartation. Sometimes people, and it's really just the devil, they react in fear and they push back and be like, I'm, I'm afraid of the superpower. I'm afraid of this power to be living on the inside of me. Can I tell you something? You were created for this. You were created to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. 
Over the last two years, I have seen more fear in the church. And it shocks me because fear is an attribute of the devil, not of God. Now people call it wisdom. And only the Holy Spirit will reveal to you whether you're acting in wisdom or in fear. But I'm telling you that you were created to operate in such fearlessness that the Apostle Paul saying, if you, or Jesus said, if you ever needed to handle snakes or drink poison, you could. It wouldn't, it's not going to hurt you. That takes some fearlessness. You were created to receive this superpower. So, so don't be afraid. God needs you to operate in your superpower. The world needs you to take a step of faith and operate in your superpower. You have a light burning on the inside of you and the darkness, put it this way, just imagine a really dark room, a really dark place. People are still trying to live their life and they're banging into things and they're, they're, they're stubbing their toe on the, the nightstand and they're tripping and they're falling and they're getting hurt. And then you're like, hey, wait a second. At Uncommon Church, every member is a minister. I have the Holy Spirit in me for my benefit, but I have the Holy Spirit on me for your benefit. Let me turn on my super powerful flashlight and light up the room. Everybody will be grateful. No one's gonna be like, dude, why did you turn the light on? I liked tripping and falling in the dark. But that's a lie that the church believes and keeps us and keeps the world around us in darkness. We need to be the ones to be like, oh, the water cooler's telling dirty jokes again? Let me turn my light on so you stop tripping over this. You're still struggling with this addiction, fear, anxiety, whatever this thing, struggle in your life? Man, let me turn the light on and make Jesus famous in your life. People will be so grateful that you turn that light on. So I'm gonna, we're gonna pray in a few different areas. The first thing we're gonna do is if you're not right with God yet, you're about to be. Today is your day of salvation. Today is your day to get right with God. Today is your day to repent. And some, some of you, it's the first time in your life you're gonna pray this prayer. But for some of you, it's been a minute. It's the first time in a long time. And you need to get right with God again. And for some of you, you need to get right with God again, again. Can I let you in on a little secret? God's not mad at you. No, preacher, you don't know some of the crazy stuff I've been doing. God's not mad at you. He loves you desperately. When my kids used to do dumb stuff and break stuff, or <laughs> one time when Joy was little, she was um, painting her fingernails. You know where this story goes. All over the brand new carpet in our rent house. You know how quick you can lose your deposit when a two-year-old spills fingernail polish? We were out, whatever, 1,200 bucks, 1,500 bucks was back in the old days. I wasn't mad at her. I didn't beat her. I didn't throw her out of the house. Just picked her up and loved on her. Gave her a bath and nail polish remover. No matter what mess you've made for yourself, your father's not mad at you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He's gonna pick you up and hug you and clean you off today. That was a good time to clap. Vicky understood it. The next prayer we're gonna pray is to turn our airdrop on to receive our superpower and that immersion, that baptism in the Holy Spirit and His power. But first, we need to deal with first things first. If you're watching at home online, I know I haven't talked to y'all much, but there's a few of you watching online and we get texts and emails 
um, and comments all the time of people that get right with God on YouTube. Some of it's even sermons from months or even years ago, and they're getting right with God because they're watching old sermons. So whether it's today live or months or years from now, and your heart is beating out of your chest and you, you need to get right with God, today is your day. And it might be the first time or the first time in a long time. But in a moment, even though you're in your living room, I want you to raise your hand. Because I can't see, obviously, but God can. And I want him to see your hand right there in your living room, right there and sitting in your bed or sitting in your car with tears streaming down your face. God loves you so much. So listen, if you're here this morning and you wanna pray that prayer, I will lead you, but I can't pray it for you. You have to believe in your heart. So if that's you this morning and you need to get right with God and ask him to forgive you of sin, first time or first time in a long time, would you, everybody's looking around, I know, but would you shoot your hand up real high? And I know sometimes you're like, make them close their eyes. No, Jesus hung naked on a cross for you. He's crazy about you. You can raise your hand and get right with God in front of a room full of people that love you. I see your hand, is there anybody else? 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 Good, good, good. What about you at home? There were three or four people that got right with God today, right there by yourself, just raise your hand. And for all of you that are home, and for those of you that are here in the room, and for those of you that are too afraid to raise your hand, you still get to pray the prayer because that's how much God loves you. If you believe it in your heart, pray this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. I receive you as the Lord of my life, the lover of my soul, and a loving father in my heart. I know we're not supposed to pause prayers, but I want you to pause. And I'm gonna pray for you. Lord, I feel like there's some people that are getting right with you today that have never experienced the love of a father the way that you want to love them unconditionally, to just spoil them rotten in your love. And God, right now, I pray that you'd pick people up and let them experience, wrap your arms of love around them. Let them just experience the warmth and joy and hope and peace that comes from the love of the Father. Let's continue to pray. If you believe it, say, Lord Jesus, I want to receive my superpower. I want to receive your Holy Spirit to come on me. Fill me with your power. Help me to be a witness with the demonstration of your power. Lord, use me to see signs and wonders and miracles, to prophesy, to be a light in the darkness. Lord, use me to win many people for you. Use me in evangelism. Use me in discipleship. Use me in a supernatural lifestyle. In Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Hey, for the three or four of you and for those of you online, man, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Listen. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.